We were promised a third League of Ireland division. Mayo FC have shown an interest and now Mead are putting plans together. But will this third tier ever see the light of day? The fella in the green and white short. The fella in the green and white short. Keep the good man on the bench. Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast. Three weeks out from the opening fixtures. And Dundalk, they're looking to generate a few quid by selling the naming rights for Ordeal Park. Will we ever see the third tier of Irish football? I don't know, we're questioning that one uh, big time. And there's fan question, Nathan. The fan question is back. Uh, my name is Roy Shanahan and I'm joined, as I said, by Nathan Dyer from TheBigKickoff.com. Nathan, it's, it's actually a slow pre-season. I was going to say week, but it's actually a slow pre-season. There's, we had a lot of stories there last week. There's a, there was a lot going on maybe over the Christmas, but even with transfers, not a lot going on. Um, I think we blew our load a little bit too early, didn't we, Roy? <laughs> in, in what we were talking about last week, I think we pretty much ran through every somewhat talking point that we, we probably should have stretched it out a little bit further because we were chatting during the week, weren't we? We said, no, we could talk about this and talk about that. And we sort of got the plan together. We're like, mate, I don't know about you. I've nothing to talk about here. So we'll <laughs> we'll see. I'll take you a brisk little show this evening anyway. But um, I suppose you want to just start off even though there's been one or two transfer stories today, I suppose, that could lift us up a little bit before we, we yeah. came on air. Well, I was talking to you about um, Padraig Ormond coming in um, to Warford, the 35-year-old striker. Signed for, uh, it was announced today that he's signed uh, for Waterford. He's going to be... Uh, I think he'd be an important part of that squad, obviously, with the experience that he brings, as I said, being 25 years of age. And I know last week I said that I, I actually I looked at Waterford's squad. I thought it was it was good. I thought it was, it was steady to uh, to get them going and to keep them up in the league with the quality that they had. But I think the one glaring admission was the experience side of things, wasn't it, Roy? It's that you look at the the average age of that squad, and it is quite young. And to be honest, that's probably something we've seen Cork City fall into that trap a little bit last season, didn't we? Where you're bringing in nice, tidy, technical players, but sometimes, like especially if you're going to be in a bit of a relegation battle and you're newly promoted side, yeah, you need someone that's sort of been around the block a little bit. And we've seen Padraig obviously in the League of Ireland with, with Shamrock Rovers in the past, with Sligo Rovers in the past as well. So I think he could be, he could be the player to to add that little bit of experience into that squad that he do desperately need because. It's all well and good having the talent there, but if you know when to guide the younger, younger lads, it could be a really difficult season. Yeah. When you look at how quiet it is on the transfer front, how quiet it is in the news front, it's not only here. I, I was looking at over in England in the transfer centre over there, having a look at what transfers were going in and out of, of the English league. And it's fairly quiet over there as well. I'd say it's more to do with the financial stresses over there. But with the teams here, what do you think it's down to? Yeah, it is a difficult one, isn't it? I, I, for me anyway, where you just take Shamrock Rovers for example, right? Where that was, there was very quiet in that front. There was more so a lot of outgoings. I think you do have certain teams waiting on the. They're they're not really going internally anymore, Randy. They're looking for other markets to open up, so they're waiting for the UK market, for example, to open up in January, but. I think as well, this is going to be a bit of a of a knock on, and it could be a positive knock on for me of the the long term contracts that are now starting to be handed out in the league, which is a major major benefit as we've always said to professionalise the system because 
there would have been fans like me, me and you, Roy, longer term fans, and even fans a lot older than me, of, of a certain vintage, they, they put it politely, that would be used to major chopping and changes. Could be looking at 10 players leaving a club and 15 players coming into a club when it was only rolling contracts and even part-time contracts. So that could definitely be a knock-on effect of these multi-year deals that we're seeing come through. Yeah, okay. Um, okay, well, let's go and talk about Dundalk because this is something that I really wanted to talk about because it's something that all the clubs should be looking to do. But they're looking to generate a few quid by selling their naming rights uh, for Oriel Park. So what's the story on this one? Yeah, so it's um, it is definitely effective way, and it's actually something that I, again, I don't know why I bother looking into a bit of a cesspool that Twitter is, Roy, especially in the League of Ireland fandom. That people are having a go with them, dark here, you know, or they must be skinned, get the bookers out because they're looking then to rename their stadium. I think everybody should, if this is a, an option for people to do to generate income by, by naming rights and then go for it. Because this is looking at what them dark are offering, the package that they're offering people for the naming rights of your park is. They're seeking €75,000 plus VAT per season. And that's for a minimum of five years. So if me really, really admittedly bad maths adds up and you're taking out VAT, uh, you're looking at 375000 over the course of five years. And what that will obviously offer would be things like you know, pitch signage, uh, backdrop boards, looking at club and player IP, scoreboard, branding, and promote just general promotion on the club's uh, digital platforms. So it'll pretty much be company's name and Aurea Park. So any Dundalk fans listening, Aurea Park will still be in the name. So if you want to get a little go for me going, for example, it could be the big kickoff Aurea Park. So it's, it's that's the way it's going to be. We have a town uh, bashing about somewhere, haven't we? There we go. That's the head of the budget plan for the season. And we put a little auction bid in for the, for the, for the naming rights. But just when I was looking up this, right, Tiny little bit off topic, but I thought it could have been a, a, an interesting uh, little tidbit. I don't know, I, I'm not one to really be looking into what uh, Leo Bracker does come, be coming out and saying, but I was just clicking through and I seen a headline that caught my attention. And it was that uh, the Irish government may introduce a condition that would allow uh, the government to be consulted on stadium name changes. And this would really be when they're uh, providing grant assistance for a new for new grounds or redevelopment on on existing grounds. So the example I in the article was, it doesn't mean about the League of Ireland, but we'll link it back around in a second. Uh, the government are contributing 20 million euro to a redevelopment of the sports ground in Galway. I think that's the home of the of Connacht Rugby. I'm sure if this rugby fans will tell me from Ron. So tw- the 20 million that is being contributed by the government, that's half of what the overall redevelopment is going to cost. So the whole redevelopment is going to cost 40 million euro and the government are giving in half to that. Uh, so it's going to be renamed to the, the Dexcom Stadium for 12 years. That's a US manufacturing company. And I suppose the way to link back into League of Ireland is in the future, grants may require government to be consulted on these naming rights. So how much of an of an impact you think that could make going forward if you have teams that you know the iron up name and right situations as, as a an income stream for them but would you really want the, the government to be consulted on that or should, should that be an independent decision made by the club and those involved with the club well that depends on how much you're getting from the government in the first place to do the work that you're getting done if Oriel Park was getting 20 million to redo that you wouldn't care what it was called really would you 
No, you wouldn't care less. No, no, you'd no. sell your soul to anything, wouldn't you? For if that's you're getting so, twenty million in. Yeah, so I think um, I don't think that's a problem. If they if that's a condition of part of the grant, then so be it. You don't have to take the grant. You can do your own thing, and then you can get the name and rights one way or the other. So. I, I don't know why they want that. Maybe maybe there's just certain things. Maybe they don't want to have betting things or, or stadiums and, you know, that sort of way. 365, you know, Oriel Park or, or Paddy Power, you know, Open Drogheda or whatever, you know. So they probably don't want any of that sort of stuff in it. I wouldn't say there's too many things that they'd be kind of rejecting, you know. So I don't think that's too much of a problem. No, I just thought it was an interesting enough tidbit, but actually it might not really affect Dundalk because, as you said, that's, it's probably more for, for soils that will go down the routes of grants that maybe can, can't afford to splash out for a major redevelopment project, as, as we've seen with the likes of Finn Harps and Sligo Rovers are struggling with that for a number of years now to, to get them off the ground um, and mostly down to funding. They're relying on the help of the government, whether that be grants and, and, and schemes and things like that. But... Uh, one thing about them, though, we never touched on, we just talked about this at the top of the show, was transfers and new incomings to clubs. Mm. The major incoming to Dundalk in the off-season happened in November uh, from someone coming in from Kerry FC, but it wasn't a player, Roy. It was a new owner, Brian Ainscough, joining the club. That's right. I know we haven't really touched on that either. See, it sort of came out of nowhere, didn't it, where... And it was probably unfortunate for Kerry where they're coming into their second season now. They're probably looking for a bit more of a, of a steady footing behind the scenes. They're still going to be in the problem up the first division table. They're still relying heavily on local talent coming in from the grassroots system in Kerry or Kerry-born players coming in from abroad and other clubs. But how much of an impact think that will have on Kerry in their, their second season in the League of Ireland losing such a, a pivotal figure behind the scenes? Yeah, I think it. I think it'll it'll damage them. I don't. I think it's they're only settling in. You're ho- kind of hoping the second season, then you're going to kick on a little bit. So it has to kind of probably a knockback. All right. Um, I don't know what they have in place. I don't know uh, how strong they'll be after that. Are they eyeing up anyone else? Is there? I, I've no. I've no. Haven't heard that, and I don't know if you've heard that, Nathan. So uh, I think it's it's good for Dundalk. I think Dundalk have someone who who's looking out for them um, and talking about these naming rights means they're going down the right way it's a hell of a lot of work to do on Dundalk there's a lot of uh, not only the team but obviously the infrastructure which um, you know naming rights for Oriel Park would be a lot more uh, I suppose they could lure someone in if it was a lot more attractive than it is um, now I'm saying that Weaver Park is there isn't it not too far away and you know, so they're after getting someone for the name and rights for their stadium in Drogheda. Um, they need to, to be successful, to get money out of it. You have to build a successful team, uh, build a stadium that's inviting and uh, it kicks on from there. But it's the first steps. It's the first baby steps. And they, they will get someone to, you know, to sponsor it. And, you know, that, that it won't be Oriel Park anymore. It'll be whatever, they'll call it for something else and you'll hear that over and over again and it's great sponsorship to had. and when you look at the likes of Virgin Media who are who are doing games and more games than they did last year I think it was a 14 or something that they're doing I think this year, so you know, there's all sorts of pluses to the League of Ireland now and uh, I, think it's a, I think it's a great thing uh, for them but there's a lot of work to do there 
Yeah, there is. And, it, and it's something I know I touched on a good bit last season was, and it's great to see the likes of Virgin Media stepping up because I thought the coverage was, compared to Virgin Media to RTU, I thought it was night and day, to be honest with you, Roy. Yeah. It's More just on the small right? difference. Yeah, it's the small differences, isn't it? It just seems like the care that was better advertised running up to the game itself. On the match, you know, you haven't... And it might, anyone that doesn't really watch the League of Ireland and just grows up on Sky Sports, it might sound stupid. But to have analysis pre- and post-game and to go back to the studio at half-time, just things like that. I just said, there seems to be a bit more TLC put into it by Virgin Media. And long may that continue and long may it last, but... Now it's 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 up to the clubs, and as you said, to to make the stadiums more comfortable, uh, but to also make sure that the structures in place for broadcasting companies that want to come to the grounds, and it's not going to cost them more to be building temporary stands to to get camera rigs set up and lighting rigs set up around the stadium. So that's that's vital for them as well. Uh, but just yeah, even touching back on the door for a second, and. I was when it happened when when Brian went into the club back in November. There was a press conference fairly quickly after the announcement was made and even straight away he said he's keen to have four of investors on board uh, in Aurea Park with him so that's uh, something ongoing talks apparently have been progressing well that's gone back into November nothing has been announced as of yet so I'm sure we definitely will keep our eye on that um, but looking at them on field and I know you, you touched on it quickly there uh, the on field sort of things for 2024 it's going to be a bit of a struggle for them, isn't it, this year? Um, you could just look at some of the outgoings. Losing Pat Hogan was massive. We talked about yeah, Pat last week. Some people, Nathan, thinking they're going to be struggling down there, you know, yeah. in, in the bottom four or five, you know, might struggle to pop their head in the top half of the table. Yeah, I, I, you know, I would agree with that assessment as well. Why you said about Pat Hogan losing there, not only a main striker, but someone that's beloved around the club. I know it's. He saw not saying he's, he's peaked, but his goal scoring record in the league peaked in 2018, and he, he's never really hit them heights since. But he's still averaging 14 goals a season since that year, so he's going to come in and get your goals, and especially in a bit more of a quality setup around him. Again, stuff we talked about last week, but it was in Pat and Dan Kelly, both to, to Derry City, but quality players. It was in Darry Leahy and Robbie McCourt to Waterford. Uh, the experience with Keith Ward, he's gone to Shelbourne along with uh, John Martin and Connor Marley. Uh, at the, making his way to Sligo Rovers, and that's without mentioning the number one goalkeeper, Nate Shepherd. While nothing has been official, it's it seems pretty much set in stone. If you're looking at the rumor mill, that a move for him to um, the Salford City is going to materialise pretty much any day now. And I don't know. I think if you just if you compare that with the incumbents with, uh, with Robbie Matten coming in from Motherwell, we would have seen Robbie playing for Bowers in the under 19s, and he would have made his senior debut uh, shortly thereafter. Uh, and like I said, Derek Keane coming in from UCD, who albeit played 25 games for them last season. But I was just looking at some of the stats here before we came on a sofa score. And what he'd have it is uh, a decent passing accuracy in terms of actually creating chances and moving the ball forward. It wouldn't be the most positive signing to see coming into that non-dog midfield. So when you do say for the reaction that you've seen. A lot of supporters, whether that be Dundalk supporters or, or neutrals or people outside of the club, don't expect them to do overly well this season. I, I can't see it shaping up to be any sort of a European rub run for them. I think they will be down in the, the bottom echelons of the league and, and could be struggling to, uh, to keep their Premier Division status for 2025. Yeah, I mean, they can only hope for someone to be struggling a little bit more than, than they're struggling. And you're, I think you may get that. You may get that. Um, 
you've got the likes of Drogheda, as you said, and you've got the likes of Sligo, who will also be struggling a little bit. So they'll be thankful for those two teams who who have plans, but they're not um, plans that are imminent and that could that could cost them this year especially with Galway taking a, a couple of steps forward before we jump on just just mention Sligo there actually that was my game I got in last weekend I always like even a little pre-season game they were playing Derry right in yeah. showgrounds on Saturday it, it was the thing was meant to be on the course and it got changed because it's been I don't know if you can hear it you are being joined from a very windy west of Ireland that thought the roof's gonna cave in me at some stage so <laughs> if you if you if you see me just, just getting blown out like I've won out of the Wizard of Oz, that'd explain it why. But the game will go ahead on Saturday, and it was an absolute belter. It was a thrilling 5-4 win uh, for Sligo over Derry. Uh, it's probably, probably maybe as good as the season's going to get for them in a, in a 5-4 pre-season friendly. But they were 4-1 up at some stage, Roy, and then uh, Derry managed to bring it back to, to uh, the 4 all. So definitely got, got banned for me booking that little pre-season friendly. Okay, now, like we said at the start of the podcast, uh, we've had interest from Mayo, we've had interest now from Mead. Um, a third tier of Irish football was promised to League of Ireland followers and football followers all across the country. It's actually in the strategic plan to start off in 2023. So is this ever going to happen? I think we missed that, didn't we? We missed, <laughs> we missed the cut-off point. <laughs> Slightly. It's looking like one of those long finger sort of strategic plans, doesn't it? That's something that's not going to come into pa- into, into fruition. I said the 23 deadline has definitely passed us by and there was, there was no sign of it at all. I don't know for sure. Like, as you said, look, what we have, what we do have confirmed for underage is we have Mayo and I think CK United, which would be Carlo and Kenny United confirmed for the underage leagues. And then we've talked about Alasha as well, didn't we? The usual suspects for Potential and none of these have been confirmed. We we were just spitballing ideas, weren't we? Mm. Like Club Kildare, uh, Tipperary, the Cabin of Monaghan, things like that. And that's without mentioning uh, established B team after B teams from established clubs and yeah. university teams that will be coming in. Uh, and it's something that's definitely been championed by uh, League of Ireland director Mark Scanlon, and something that he's he's always seemed to talk about ever since the strategic plan came into place. But already you're hearing that. It, 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 if, a, if a third tier division was to come into pass, it would be a rumored A team tier. So I, I, I think it should be something that's put onto the long finger. We have two divisions here now um, that do need attention. They do need work. They do, especially in the post division, need to prof- professionalize a lot more. I think asking eight amateur teams to enter a third division. Um, especially when they, I said you can't professionalize the, the fourth division as a whole is a, is a little bit. Just be a little bit of a slap in the face. And then, as I said, you do have these university teams that, that they're asking to to join up. A lot of the major clubs in the post, sorry, in the Premier Division would already have established partnerships with major universities. We've seen it with St. Pat's with, with, with Minute, um, Bohemians with um, DCU. I'm sure there is plenty more to off the, off the top of my head here. So what's, what, what's the sort of way you go about it? Where I think... This came up, and we'll just we'll jump into me for a second. There, there, another side, aren't they? That is, is looking at coming in, and we're reading an article. This would be in last week on the Mead Chronicle that a full launch of League of Ireland, of a League of Ireland club in Mead is on the horizon. 
with uh, former FBI chief executive Bernard O'Born uh, said to be the driving force behind a new potential media team. Um, and the early blueprints would be that construction of a, a multifunctional sports venue would be in place to, um, to host a media team in Navan. And that the club as a whole, potentially, it's going to be called Mead FC, would just say they're going to follow the, the blueprint that Kerry FC have used, and that being using the underage system and the grassroots system in the county as a launch pad for players, which is all well and good. But you're looking at a team like Kerry FC now, who were definitely fortunate, I think, in terms of sponsorship. They had a major airport ready to go and ready to offer up that sponsorship with them. Um, especially when if you're going to be a new side coming in, your initial budget is going to be low, isn't it? In the, for, for whether that be for players, whether that be for infrastructure and everything around us. So, Kerry definitely were lucky in that aspect. Uh, so if you're going to be a new team coming in, that's something you're majorly going to have to take off the box. And, and, and not all of them are going to be that fortunate with, with a major sponsor, uh, ready and willing. So, the way to if you are looking at it. The, the, the aspect of having university clubs or even university tie-ins for me is is probably the way to go about it. And I'll use the example of you're looking at the ATUs, the uh, Atlantic Tech, uh, Technology Universities across the country. So there'll be ATU campuses, for example, in Donegal, like in Letterkenny and Killy Beggs. They'll have, I think there's one in Casabara, Mayo, and I know there's definitely one in Connemara and Galway. So things like that, like that'll offer uh, whether that be like domestic players coming up from the grassroots system or even international players that give them an option to come home and to play for clubs in the county and to have an educational opp opportunity as well and to not just move home to be playing amateur part-time football if that's what you want to call it and you're also then you're not bleeding the life out of that the, as I said the grassroots system there's still going to be talent available to allowed it to develop and allowed it to, to grow you're not just cherry picking the best players across the board so i just think there with that you'll have the potential as i said with the education opportunities and a major headache now for a lot of clubs and not in, not only the big clubs like i've heard about saying pats and stuff but across the board pretty much is accommodation and housing mm -hmm. so if you're going to have students coming or, or, or younger players coming i think that's the market that any new club potential club coming to the league of Ireland will have to look at you can opt them then a bed, a bed and board. You don't have to be hunting down accommodation for an older player coming over that may have a family. And that then, again, it all this goes back to the cost, obviously because of the housing market uh, crisis that we're going through at the minute. That's another thing that um, it, can, it can help out with. It's, it's, uh, it's not costing the club in an arm of a leg to hunt down accommodation. And it removes the headache of that too, where if you have a... Some sort of accommodation ready to go for players to come into it that is in the proximity of the club that could be, be a major help too but again that's for me that that's all hypothetical i think from that's the best way to go is the the university route and importantly as well it is something that was mentioned in the initial um not what not the announcement as you said the the, the long-term plan for the league was if a tour division was to come into into fact it'd have to be geographically divided wouldn't it you'd have to do like a north and south or you'd have to make it down a um, provisional but again just to cut out cost of any long-term travel because it's the way they're going to so, have to go because you're not going to see professional clubs come into the tour here you are kind of hinting at that you'd rather it didn't happen 
um, yeah. until for a couple more years till it's something is is at a certain standard. But what is that standard that you, you're hoping that they meet? What what level do you think they they sh- they should be at before they start the third tier league? I think we they've just had the foundations of of our two existing div- divisions, all professional, not offering now Mickey Mouse amateur contracts that are uh, absolutely pittance, and because. Let's be honest. Like even the, we we talk, I talk about part time football a lot, but it pretty much it, it's it's a false notion, isn't it? Part time football in the league. Like even if you are one of a part time club, you're still training X amount of days. You're still going outside the gym, work and rest and recovery. So you're you're not really part time football. Like, I I get it, it more so affects the contracts rather than your day to day as a professional footballer. So so you think it should be full time football before it starts. Not even the not even full time aspect, but just making sure that it is professionalized. Not more so getting away from the amateur. I think that's more realistic. Getting away from the, the amateur contracts. Like we're not at the next couple of years, we're not going to see Kerry and Treaty United, for example, playing full time football. I think more so getting away from the amateur side of things rather than than part time because that's not going to happen in anytime soon. If you look at the JAA, they're have that amateur status but not that, that's only going by they all have jobs etc etc but they're fully professional in how they go about playing how they go about getting ready for games you know it's 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 established as a very very professional game with an amateur status over its head that could be the same way with th- these leagues that you need to have, you're not going to have all these at, at full time. So the Premier Division is going to be your full time or your first division is going to be nearly your part timer. And then your third tier would probably be maybe touching on part time, but mostly amateur football. And it, and it would be very hard to get away from that. It would have to evolve over maybe a decade before it kind of changed. That's the way I would see it. Yeah, I, I, I just, I think if it was to happen now, or like I said, the 2023 mark, it would just, it'd fall to away, I think, for me so quickly it, with, with the, the, the players coming into the team. And not even looking at the clubs as a whole, I'd hate to see them, as you said, a room at A-team tier and three or four of them are, are set up in terms of sponsorship and actual financial backing and the rest just falls in away. And then you have the tour division just crumbling because the other two established divisions in place now aren't set on, like, on, on a steady footing, if you know what I mean, where I think it has to just be done properly and not rushed together and not thrown together. It's something that if it be the, the two leagues we have at the minute have to be professionalised a lot more, especially in the first division to what they are, before we can even think about introducing another team, another tier, sorry, where eight teams and half of them might not be set up and ready to stay in the league uh, on a long-term basis. And that's where I go back to the university setup where I think that'll just offer them a bit more of a steady footing financially and it'd have more opportunities for players coming in to, to the clubs. It can offer them an education and, and accommodation while also uh, getting a chance to play football, similar to the UCD model or the a scholarship model. Yeah, well, part of their strategy plan was to work with the central and local government to create and co-fund long-term investment strategy. Um, so something like that for the leagues, you could have grants in place for these clubs when they're starting, maybe over three, the first three years or something like that of their existence, just to make sure that the foundations of the uh, of whatever finances they may may need, that they get that little leg up 
to get themselves running, you know. So they they get the leg up to 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 jog into the the League of Ireland or walk into the League of Ireland, and then they can pick up the pace themselves. So that little bit of help, um, I think there's there's many ways. I I don't think they should just start it just for the sake of it, and then it collapses. And I think no. you're, you're kind of hinting at that. That's what you're saying. We don't want to see it start and then just fall apart. But we do think that it, it should. I I I want to see it. I want to see that that pyramid. I want to see the first, second, third division that teams can come up from uh, non-league football if they have the finances or if they have the backing or if whatever it is. They obviously would have to perform well in their own leagues as well to be able to get up there because that would be part of maybe a relegation or whatever way they, they look at it. That's how the pyramids work. So that's how it would have to be. But again you wouldn't be able to come up then unless you had that kind of backing or foundation or uh, some sort of finance there that would make sure that you're steady for a few seasons. How many times have we seen teams come into the leagues and gone within a couple of years? Even teams like, and we go back to Sporting Fingal, who have money behind them, but it's only temporary yeah. money and it's just dried up and gone and then the whole club is gone. So it needs to be done in a, in a manner that you're setting these teams up for a long-term future in the League of Ireland. Yeah, and I think that's sort of where we're seeing at the minute, isn't it, with Kerry? And it might not be glamorous to watch if you, if you are a new supporter. Brilliant. Do stick with them. It's going to be a long, long road for them to even think about getting promoted to the Premier Division. But they're going about it the, the right way, the nurturing, they have a pathway now to nurture younger talent in the region, in the area, to come up to, and now play men's football um, at a really high level and hopefully a level that will improve as you said, long term down the road, I don't know if that's going to, would that be promotion? Would that be, be actual full-time contracts? I'm not sure what that potentially could be for Kerry, but there's a pathway there for them now. And yeah, I, I just would, because I'm, I'm probably still on the fence whether the way I actually want to see a third division come into place. As I, as I said, just there in a very long-winded way, not anytime soon and not while there's not a steady footing in place for all teams to, not even to try it, but to just survive. And not last two bloody years in the league and then yeah. fall there and then become a, a topic of a stupid fucking article. Like, oh, what happened to CK United? Do you remember like that sad story where there's too many of them in the league? And I'd hate to see that happen to an entire division of, of League of Ireland clubs. And now isn't the time to do it. It really, really isn't. And the, as you said, the 2023 deadline is definitely gone. But I think I, I'd say if we went back and listened to me and you talking about it when that when the fo- the plan initially first came out. I, I'd say even then we, we thought it was extremely ambitious for 2023 to have a tour division here in in Ireland. Yeah, um, it, you you have to have a lot of teams in there. I mean, as as you can see, there's two who are putting their hands up. There's not too many more who are putting their hands up no. to go into it. So if they the strategy is from 2022 to 2025, if they if they get at and going uh, by the end of 2025. I think it'll be a success. So, but I still want to see it. I, I'm I'm excited about that. I think that's something that needs to be brought in. I don't think it should be ring fenced to certain clubs and whoever the whoever the league want to let allow in and not want to allow in. I think there should be a pyramid so that you can earn your way up there if you feel that your club uh, has everything that it needs. And there'll be a few clubs around who could do that, you know. So that would be. Um, maybe Dublin clubs, and maybe they don't want Dublin clubs there, but that'd be the that'd be just the way it is. That's the way it would, that's the way it would rock. Okay, listen, we're gonna go to fans question, Nathan, because obviously we haven't had a fans question in a while because we've only had their second show. But 
you might be on your own on this one, Nate. And I hope you've done your homework on this because I I, I was struggling. <laughs> it's been lingering around in my inbox since the end of last season. Right. So, uh, and it's actually, it's one I liked when I seen it. I was like, oh, that's good. But we're on a little Christmas break. So, oh, but now I definitely always want to do want to bring it up. Uh, from our own mate, it's from Kevin Sheridan. We all know who it's from. I think Kevin kept this bloody thing going last year. So, <laughs> uh, Kev, keep them coming. Anyone else, as I say, I get them into us at the big kickoff. Um, and we'll, we'll see. We'll see if we can keep this uh, segment trucking along. Go so, on. Kevin's question is From what you know, is there any Nepo babies in Irish football? In terms You're of the right. Irish football, the only one I could find was. Um, Roddy Collins Jr. Do you remember Roddy Collins young for playing League of Ireland, no? No, can't say I did. And this will tell you. And see if you can if you can what adds up with all the clubs that he played for, right? Played for four clubs. <laughs> played for played for Monaghan, played for Athlone, played for Derry City, and he played for Waterford. Who all do you right. think was the manager at each of those clubs when Jon Roderick played Roddy. for? Roddy might have been around, does he? Was he? Was he? Managing? Roddy was the manager of each club. So, <laughs> so Roddy Junior came in, played for every club that he's out. Well, every club since he was a young lad, managed so across them four clubs. And I actually think so. After war, of whatever I'm right thinking, Roddy Collins Senior now this is the manager went back to Athlone. And Roddy Collins Jr. didn't, so that's just what he shows you the standard of Roddy. Even the, even the dad went, you know what, lad, you're all right, stay home, stay home. Yeah, we couldn't afford him back down there again, anyhow. But... Yeah, probably yeah, couldn't. No, but, uh... I, I, I was trying to think of anyone, and it just nothing, nothing came into my mind, like of, of players who, you know, was going, Pat Fenland. You're going through all them, and you're going, I just can't think of anyone who's actually, their son has actually gone and played and actually had a notable sort of career, you know, so... It's a bit disappointing, isn't it? Yeah, well, I'll always shoot Han Roddy Collins into an episode of my can, so I'm delighted yeah, I got that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're going to leave it there. Nathan, uh, thanks very much. Um, for everyone out there listening, thanks very much. Uh, Come we'll home, Roddy. We love week. you. <laughs> thanks very much. <laughs>